Claus Bucket Podcast. Tanner Dimling here with y'all as always. Big show on deck again. Um, a lot, a lot has happened um, since we recorded last, which was uh, last Wednesday, Thursday. Um, some of that time frame. I only did one podcast last week. This uh, this week we'll be back to two. I just had a lot of things going on last week. I was only able to get that weekend preview one out to y'all. But um, speaking of weekend preview, let's look back at what happened last weekend. Uh, what we previewed on the last podcast. Uh, starting off here in the NLL, here's your NLL scoreboard for the week. Um, games Saturday and Sunday, a lot of games this weekend. Um, not a, not a overly packed schedule, but not a, uh, certainly not, certainly not a slow schedule at that. Um, the Colorado Mammoth take down the San Diego Seals 10 to 7 inside the Loud House there in Denver. The Saskatchewan Rush take down the Halifax Thunderbirds. 16 to 15 in overtime. Um, one of the best games of the season. Uh, I'll, I'll talk, talk a bit about that in a minute here. Uh, but just fantastic game. Um, Halifax, I, I, I've got to get up there for a game sometime soon. Probably won't be this year, but um, so, sometime soon because that place, that, that place, just watching it on, on, on the, on the, uh, be our live feed. It is. It, it, it's rocking. They got a good environment going on up there. Toronto 13, Vancouver 7. That one in Toronto. The Georgia Swarm got revenge on the New York Riptide for taking them down on Long Island a few weeks back. The swarm were buzzing on Saturday night. 14 to 9 victory down in Atlanta for the swarm. Philadelphia had two games this weekend and they won both games. I believe it's the first time they've done that. Um either this season or in since you no, know, they came back. Well, it's a new franchise, but New Wings team. Um, Philadelphia 7, Buffalo 6, defensive battle there in Buffalo. Then Philadelphia goes on the road to New England on Sunday. Takes down the Black Wolves 14-11. The Philadelphia Wings fellas are sitting in first place in the Eastern Division right now. Um, if you would have asked me or would have told me that back at the beginning of the season, that sitting here, what's this recording? February 17th, just finished up week 12. We're technically halfway, about halfway through the season. If you would have told me that the Wings were going to be 7-3, and three, sitting in first place in the East on February 17th, after week 12, I would have told you you were lying. 
But the wings have heated up. They're soaring this season. Matt Lambeau, Joe Baptiste, Boys Rudin, Kevin Crawley, Zach Higgins has been a revelation in goal. This is a team, I don't know if they have what it takes to go all the way, because you still got to, because look, look, and I, I'm not going to get into the whole playoff, uh, what they're doing for the playoffs this year right now, but just looking across the league, you still got Saskatchewan, still got Colorado, I think is, is, is a top five team. Halifax, Toronto's looking really, really good right now. Buffalo, Georgia, and Calgary. I believe they get Dane Doby back this weekend. So, how do they look moving forward? Lot to be, uh, lot yet to be seen, but uh, some teams definitely looking good here. Midway through the season, and Philadelphia is one of them as they got those two wins over the weekend. Um, honestly, yeah, I just. They're gelling together very well. Very good, uh, solid performances from the Wings over the past couple of weeks, past couple of games. Going back to, you know, we're going to talk about two games uh, more in depth on here. Um, <clears throat> so first off, this Colorado game, honestly, it, it, was, it, it, it was a game of runs to, to an extent. Um... Colorado, no, San Diego, once Colorado kind of got going late there in the game, it, they had no, they had no, um, no comeback. Now, San Diego did come back late in this game. They made it eight to seven with like, with like seven minutes left in the, in the, uh, in the game. But uh, Jordan Gillis and Eli McLaughlin uh, put two in late in the game for Colorado to get that win. Um, and like I mentioned, this one was kind of decided. Or it, it, you know, the score and kind of the vibe you got from the game was a bit different because it felt like Colorado always had the upper hand because Dylan Ward was absolutely dominating in cage he had and you, you go, go check if you you know what I'm talking about if if you've seen it but he had this one save where I believe he was like moving to the other side the ball come the, the shot comes to his uh I guess it'd be his left and the whole net was wide open on that side he just kind of puts a stick back there, gets it right out of the net almost. Um, one of the best saves I've seen all year. Um, I, my, my description doesn't do it justice. Uh, just go look it up. Doing world save. Uh, you'll probably find it. But uh, he played fantastic um, in that win. It really was the backbone of this Colorado team for that win. Um, moving on to, the, to Vancouver and Toronto. You know, I I wasn't able to watch the whole game of this one. I watched pieces of it. Um, to me, you know, it's, you know, Toronto doubles up Vancouver in this one. 
I, I, I mean, I think Vancouver, Vancouver is much better than they have been, and I want to see Vancouver um, be good. I, I think it's good for the West, um, good for British Columbia, good for the West Coast to see Vancouver doing good. But I just don't like after seeing bits and pieces of this game. I just don't see it. I mean, they are. Eric Penny is still playing fairly well. He didn't have his best game. He was he was off a bit in goal. Um, but Vancouver just looked flat for pieces of this game. Um, at least that I saw. Um, and we know what kind of offense Toronto can has and how they can just kind of flip on it at any minute. Um, <clears throat> last one here before we get to uh, the big one, big one. Um, Sketch one in Halifax, Georgia, and New York. Um, the Swarm, you know, they kind of struggled earlier on this season with really getting going. They, the offense, it wasn't that it was stagnant, but you know, Randy Sots wasn't, uh, didn't look like himself. Lyle Thompson didn't look like himself, at least in terms of scoring goals um, early on this season. He had plenty of assists, but goals were hard to come by for him uh, for whatever reason, whether defense was was really honing in on him or whatnot. And it opened room for, for guys like Shane Jackson uh, to to show what they're made of. And, um, you know, Zach Miller, you've seen him come in the past couple of games, simply if he had two goals um, against the Riptide. I think this is a Georgia team. They're finally coming together, like as a whole unit. Like the back end, I thought was very good coming out early this season. I thought the offense needed some work, and I mean, most people expected that after how much Holden Katoni did for that team last year. To to let him walk, to let him go to Rochester, um, I mean, that was a big deal for that offense. Um, and, and they had to learn how to kind of work without him. And even though he only played there for one year with guys that have been there for multiple years, he made a big impact. So having to play without him um, was certainly a, a, an adjustment that I think a lot of people maybe overlooked about Georgia uh, coming into the season. But the Swarm have uh, – they've shown, especially this past – Weekend that um they're not gonna back down now um they're not you know, these the these comebacks that they've allowed um aren't gonna happen anymore and I mean they showed it um you know, the the Riptide all credit to the Riptide they were you know Georgia started to get a little lackadaisical in, in at the end and, and 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 New York said fine we're gonna take advantage of that. Um, and they did. They took advantage of that. They they held Georgia to I believe one goal in the third, um, and it was like two or three goals in the th- in the in the fourth. But um, you know Georgia that second period just they 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 lit the nets on they lit the net on fire, like literally. Um, but they had nine goals or something like that. So honestly, just just out, outstanding offensive. Uh, performance for the Swarm, and Lyle Thompson had uh, had a hat trick in this one. Um, I thought he played you know, one of his better games this season. 
from a goal scorer's standpoint. Saskatchewan and Halifax. This was probably, I, I bet I've said this three or four times this year because this, this, this year is kind of unpredictable. This might have been the best game of the season. No doubt. Um, it was a action-packed kind of up-and-down game all game long. And especially late, it started out a bit back and forth. But Halifax, like, so schedule gets up. I believe they were up by nine, like midway through the third. And it looked like, okay, Saskatchewan's kind of running away with this thing. Um, This just might not be Halifax's night. Well, they just light it up. Come back from nine goals down. Tie it up at 15. Austin Shanks with the game-tying goal. To force overtime. And if y'all thought the regulation time was exciting with that comeback, overtime was even better. Um, You had three goals waved off before, well, two waved off before um, Mike Messenger put one in the Halifax goal, put one behind <clears throat> Peter Dubinsky. Game winner in overtime for Saskatchewan. Now, I think, and this kind of worries me with Halifax, and it has for since probably week one, to be honest. They go on these stretches where they just don't do anything. Like, what I mean by this, they go on these long stretches, like they did here, getting down by nine. Like, they go on these long stretches that honestly produce no result at all. Warren Hill got pulled after... About three quarters of play in goal. He had 23 saves off 32 shots. Peter Dubinsky gets put in there. He makes 10 saves off of 17 shots. Wasn't the best night in goal for Halifax. But late in the game, I think getting Dubinsky in there, I thought he played very well. Um, I you know Honestly, is he going to start next week? No, I, I would not do that. Warren Hill is the guy. Just an off night for him. Thought that defense in front of him really stepped up at times. Um, Hasek doing his thing. So I think Halifax, and I've said this before, they have to find the continuity to play a full 60 minutes. I have yet to see it. Didn't see it against Colorado. I didn't see it against Saskatchewan. 
Heck, we didn't see it week one versus New York. Got to see a full 60, minute, 60 minutes out of these guys. I think they can be one of the best teams in the league, but got to see a full 60. Now I was talking about Philadelphia earlier. That was their problem last year and earlier this year as well. Not playing a full 60. They've been doing that, and they're winning. Georgia, similar thing. So a lot of teams have done that this season. They've had these stretches where they don't play a full 60 minutes of lacrosse, either lacking on one end or the other or both. You know, Halifax was lacking on both ends for a big portion of this game. Yeah, they were able to come back because their offense is a buzzsaw. But if, if, if they don't get hot, Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan wins this one in regulation. But nonetheless, they were able to come back and uh, produce one of the uh, best games of the season, to be honest. Um, absolute stellar performance from both teams in this one. And uh, the Halifax jerseys were pretty cool as well. They had the uh, it was benefit for, for veterans, uh, bleeding bid on those uniforms um, and get them all the money goes towards veterans. Very, very cool. I thought they, they're probably some of the better, some of the better, like, alternate uniforms I've seen. Um, I know Saskatchewan does the whole Prairie Night thing. Um, I, I don't know. I like those, but there's just a bit too much going on. For me, um, I really like the Halifax ones. They were clean, simple. Um, you could understand what they were for. Uh, really, really liked those ones. Who was it last year? Oh, San Diego had the um, St. Patrick's Day green ones last year. They're, 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 you know what? Those are probably my favorite ones that I've seen over the past few years in terms of alternate jerseys. But those Halifax ones were, um, were really, really nice. Moving on to the NCAA, uh, where Week 2 action took place last week. And in Week 2 action, um, a lot of exciting lacrosse, as expected. As mentioned on our weekend preview show back in last week, the Ivy started this week, so every conference has now started lacrosse, uh, college lacrosse. The only team that has not played, I believe, is yeah, Harvard's the only team that has not played. Um, Notre Dame started last weekend as well, uh, as did Vermont. Vermont was supposed to start two weeks ago, but um, they had a snowstorm which prevented up there in the Northeast, which prevented them from um, traveling down to Jacksonville to take on the Dolphins. Um, and that, fellas, is why um, you live in the South and um, not up there with those uh, snow bunnies. Never understood y'all people up there, but y'all got good go to lacrosse, so I cannot um, knock you off with that. Um, getting into... The weekend scoreboard, um, 
So I'm going to kind of, there was a lot of games this week. I'm going to go like six at a time and then kind of mention some things from each. Um, <clears throat> Hofstra, 12, Michigan, 9. Mount St. Mary's, 11, Towson, 10. Navy beat Furman, 19 to 3. North Carolina beat Lafayette, 24 to 8. Manhattan beat VMI, 10 to 8. Bucknell beat Sacred Heart, 14 to 11. High Point beat Drexel, 16 to 15. Delaware beat NJIT, 13 to 1. Army beat Rutgers 15 to 4. Okay, that was nine. Um, so I lied there. But um getting into these first kind of nine games here. First off, you know, I, congratulations to to Mount St. Mary's. Um first win over Towson in program history. Uh congrats, guys. You know, that is a team that returns a ton of talent from last year. They were a really good team last year. They're a good team again this year. Watch out for them in the NEC. A lot of people are sleeping on them because, you know, Mount St. Mary's is not the greatest lacrosse program, and they had success last year. Some people kind of took it as, you know, a flash-in-the-pan type of thing. The other team is going to be good this year. I expect them to be um, maybe not as good next year, but they, you know, they, they are certainly a program – in the NEC that has the ability getting the NCAA tournament. Um, so congrats to them on that one. Big win over Towson. And Towson, I just don't – and I, I knew this was going to be a tough year for Towson after losing so much last year, but I just don't know where they're going to get this offense from. Um, John Moss is looking real well. He's back after um, – he actually got a release – from school last year to transfer. Um, but now he's back. He basically served last year as a suspension um, for breaking some team rules. But he's back. Um, he's proven himself to the coaching staff. They've, uh, you know, you know, um, everything's been done. And he's, he's, he, he's uh, doing some good things for the Tigers. Kobe Smith, I think he's one of the, Kobe Smith, in my mind, is probably the second second best defenseman in the country behind JT Giles Harris. I think those are probably the top two guys in the in the in college across right now. Um, that's just my opinion, but I think uh, Kobe Smith's probably that second behind Giles Harris. Um, I you know Kobe Smith. He didn't particularly play well in that game, but. Um, Towson really didn't play their best. And the Mount St. Mary's almost beat them last year, but a uh, big one for the Mountaineers. Hofstra. Um, Ryan, so Hofstra, this was like a even, pretty even game. Hofstra went off in the fourth. Uh, Ryan Tierney, probably one of the most underrated shooters in college across. I thought he played outstanding in this one. Um... North Carolina, Chris Gray did his thing once again. Um, let's see, High Point and Drexel. Um, an interesting one there. I wasn't able to catch that one. 
but I, I kind of with the box score, and it, it appears that I don't believe Ashley Nolting did too much. So Ashley Nolting had five points, two goals, the assist. Uh, played very well in this one. Reed Bowering, uh, Colin Mailman each had four goals for Drexel. Um, watch out for both of those two guys this year. Um, as well as Jeremiah Cota, who is their face-off man. Uh, the Dragons, I think, have a shot at the CAA, especially with Towson being down. Uh, but you also have to watch out for Delaware there as well in the CAA. Um, Army. Army, Army, Army. They absolutely annihilated Rutgers. They, this is the most complete army team I've seen, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna um, get to army later in this when in this show I did kind of a mailbag, um, so I'll pick out two, you know, two, three questions um, at the end of the show here, and I'll get to that. Uh, Penn State again, just putting it all together, nineteen to four win over St. Joseph's. Providence 16-9 over Bryant. Notre Dame takes down Cleveland State 17-7. Good one for the Irish. Um, we got two new assistant coaches. A little bit of a new era field there in South Bend. Hobart 26, Siena 9. Uh, Jason Knox had 10 goals, which is one. Breaking Hobart's Division One record and is one below the all-time Division One record for goals in the game of 11. I believe that's been done five times since 1971. St. John's, 13. Hartford, 11. Wagner, 9. LIU, 8. Uh, the Sharks, that was an overtime victory as well. The Sharks still looking for that first Division One win. Brown, 11, Quinnipiac, 7. Princeton, 20, Monmouth, 9, and a little New Jersey tout. Uh, Michael Sowers went off, had 11 points in this one, which is ties his own record, uh, which is a tied record to begin with of most goals in the game in Princeton across history. Fairfield, 18. Stony Brook, 16. First win for uh, new head coach Andrew Baxter there at Fairfield. Congrats to Baxter and the Stags on that one. Boston U, 13. UMass goal, 15. Um, and then this, this section we'll talk about a couple of games here. Virginia, 12. Lehigh, 8. Yale, 18. Villanova, 12. Holy Cross, 10, Vermont, 9, Dartmouth, 13, Merrimack, 11, UMass, 9, Ohio State, 7, Jacksonville, 11, Marquette, 9, Bellarmine, 13, St. Bonaventure, 5. I was on hand for that drubbing. Albany, and Cornell, the Big Red, beat the Danes 19-10. to <clears throat> Now, looking at some of these games here, uh, Virginia, complete performance again from, from the Cavaliers, especially on the offensive end at least. 
Um, really put it together there in the second half. Matt Moore, uh, Doc Aiken. I mean, these guys are playing some very, very good lacrosse at the moment. Uh, Michael Klaus, Matt Moore, uh, Peyton Cormier, uh, the redshirt freshman. A lot of guys stepping up. Um, and I really like how deep this, how deep um, Virginia's team is, and how deep they're being. They're going this year. Uh, Alex Rhodes with eleven saves, fifty-seven point eight nine save percentage. Uh, Lehigh, this is a team that I think has potential to win the Patriot League. I think many many people would agree with me on that one. Um, they're currently sitting at one and one. See who they start off the season uh, beating Utah sixteen to eleven. You know they have the depth just like um, Virginia. It's a different kind of depth, but they have depth. Um, some younger depth, if I must say. Um, you know, I think honestly they just kind of let Virginia. I caught the back half of this one, but they kind of just let Virginia come just take, run away with the game late, um, kind of solidifying solidifying that win for the Cavaliers, but Lehigh still, you know, no shame in losing to uh, the champs and I believe number one team in the country right now. I have not checked the um, if the polls have come out yet at the time of recording this on Monday. Yale and Villanova. Yale finally ends their winning, their losing streak against Villanova. Um, I'll say this: you know, Yale. We all know about TD Owen, um, but this you know, Villanova's zero two. They've lost to Penn State and Yale. Absolutely no shame in that. Um, Yale, this honestly was just one that Yale took over late in the game. Uh, TD went 23 of like 30 at the faceoff dot. Um, really just absolutely took over. Um, and, and Yale just runs away with it. Um, Thomas Bragg with six points in this one. Sophomore out of Casanova, New York. Um, he, he played great. I, I mean, I... I would not really uh, had him on my radar as much. I mean, this is a deep attack. Um, the midfield's a bit thin uh, with Cottonwood and Tevlin being the two primary returners and only two guys that have that have registered a point this year. All the all the all the points are coming from the attack spot. Um, but Yale got it done. Um, they, they they mounted not really a comeback, but they ran away with it late in the game. Uh, do want to mention here UMass upset of Ohio State. I'm not overly surprised about that one. I think you know, Ohio State just drubbed Detroit mostly in the opener. I think that kind of set a tone of maybe overlooking UMass, especially after they got killed by Army, but um, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens with both of those teams as they move forward. Um, UMass got some new faces 
Uh, looks like they're still adjusting some of that. Maryland comes back again against Penn to win 17 to 15. Syracuse 17, Binghamton 4, Duke 15, Denver 13, Air Force 9, Utah 8, Loyola 10, Johns Hopkins 7, Georgetown 13, UMBC 8, Robert Morris 22, Canisius 10. And uh, the the last two games we're going to talk about here in depth are Maryland, Penn, and Denver Duke. Well, Maryland, Penn, Denver Duke. I don't get into Hopkins, Oil a bit, but I'll mention this Air Force Utah game for a second here. I liked what I saw of the Utes late. Um, Colin Burke wasn't the only option this week, as they had other guys stepping up, um, like Jimmy Perkins as usual, Matt Costin, Josh Stout. Um, it was it was a lot of the usual suspects, but and similarly for um, Air Force as well. And I'll tell you what, Braden Host, he showed again why he's one of the best goalies, not only in the country, but I think in not only in the SoCon but in the country. Um, he if Utah, excuse me, Utah had multiple opportunities late in this game to get into it and, and, and to, to get a win to force overtime uh, or to get a win. He shut the door, absolutely shut the door on so many occasions. Um, fantastic performance from Braden Host there. <clears throat> now, we talked about Yale kind of running away with things. In the NOL, we talked about how fast having a comeback, falling short. Maryland has a comeback. They came all the way back, and they won the game. Now, I'm going to say this. Chris Brandow was the reason they won the game. Yeah, Daniel Maltz had five goals. Jared Bernhardt had six points, four goals, two assists. Their offense, you know, they, they, you know, they used all the pieces they usually do. Kyle Long is back. Um, he looked he looked pretty good in this one after uh, I believe he missed the first uh, first or the first and second game, but um, Maryland man comes back again. Uh, a fuse fuse comeback, eight goal run, eight goal run over the third and fourth uh, to give them the comeback win there, an absolutely uh, fantastic game really from both teams there. Um, Penn kind of collapsed late in, late in the game when Maryland got hot. Uh, I didn't really know how to recover. And the Topes get that 17-15 victory. Um, similarly with Duke, but they got hot early in the game. Um, the second quarter, I believe it was, just took it to Denver. Denver's defense collapsed. They, they had no... No chance of getting back into it. Um, Jackson Hanna, I got to give him props. We've had seven goals or something like that in this one. Um, six goals, one assist for seven points. Um, but honestly, just look at the box score and you see why Duke won this game. 
They were sharing the sugar. Owen Caputo, three goals, three assists. Dyson Williams, three goals, one assist. Joey Manown, three goals. That's just their top three scores. They had guys contributing on all fronts. Nakai had two goals. And you had a whole host of guys with one goal and then a bunch of guys with one assist, um, including C.J. Carpenter, Cameron, uh, Mulet, um, and a lot of guys that played good. Now, I do want to mention Duke did start with, um, I believe they started with Upgren. I didn't get to see the first part of this game, but I believe they started with Upgren, if I'm not mistaken, and um, finished with Bonafed or it's the other way around, but they played both guys. Um, I don't really know what was with that, but hey, they did it and they won, so um, can't really say much about that. But Duke gets the one there. I thought they kind of solidified themselves um, really with that one as you know, and playing even a Denver team that might not have you know, Denver team this year is a bit younger, I believe. Um, and even playing a team like that, you, you're playing Bill Tooney. You're playing one of the best coaches of all time. Um, and you and you win like that. Um, I mean, that, that is a, that's a good win. Always good for any coach to beat Bill Tooney. Now, <clears throat> last one here, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to mention this too much because this was an absolute atrocious game. Not sugarcoating. This was an atrocious game. Loyola 10, Johns Hopkins 7. Johns Hopkins, yo, what are y'all doing? Yes, Joey Epstein went down. But y'all don't have anybody else? Y'all ain't got nobody else. I, I ain't got a dog in the fight here. But that was pitiful. That third quarter I saw, man, y'all was pitiful. That was pitiful. Credit to Loyola. They took advantage of everything that Hopkins gave them. Took it to them, get their second straight win um, in the series. Get their second straight win over Johns Hopkins. It ain't the... uh, what they call the the um, Charles Charles Street battle battle for Charles Street Charles Street massacre. That's what it, was. it ain't the Charles Street massacre no more. Hopkins fans, Loyola's got up there with y'all, and I I know y'all know that. I I, I ain't gotta tell y'all that, but bro, yo. Dave Petrumala. Bro, what are you doing, man? I understand injuries. I understand it's part of the game. But your boys got to be able to adjust. They couldn't adjust until it was too late. That scoreline, that scoreline is generous. It's the most generous scoreline of the week. Hopkins had, what, one, two goals in the third, and it was late? Credit Loyola again. Credit what credit is due. They took 
advantage of everything they had. And and I'm I'm and no Foy Smith for Hopkins. I'm gonna give him all the cut here because you know he 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 recorded a hat trick. I thought he played well. But anybody else on the Hopkins team, bro? Man, that was terrible. Honestly, terrible. Y'all just sitting there. You have nobody that can beat anybody. Y'all don't have an alpha dog. If Joey Epstein ain't in there, y'all ain't got an alpha dog. Sorry. It's, it's what it is. But hopefully um, they can put it back together because, and I guess it's just like when you talk about college football. When the Blue Bloods are good, it's, 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 it's good, right? When the Blue Bloods are good, it's a good season, right? It's 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 fun seeing those teams. Not maybe not win every year, but being competitive. Hopkins just didn't look competitive for two quarters in this game. To be honest, defensive heavy first half. Epstein goes and they shut down. Epstein went down. This offense shut down for a while. That's 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 all I got for y'all concerning. Weekend recap stuff, college, NOL, fantastic weekend of lacrosse. Great weather we had everywhere, pretty much. Great, great weekend of lacrosse, guys. Absolute fantastic weekend of lacrosse once again. All right, y'all, before we get out of here, um, got to go with some, some big changes some big moves in the pro field game. Um, so as y'all know, the PL expansion draft went went down last week. Got up on lacrossebucket.com. We got um, recap of that whole thing. Uh, did my whole uh, breakdown kind of offensively and defensively. Um, you know what? You know, broke down their picks. Um, but we've also, and well, we also heard the official, I guess, official announcements, um, of a entry draft and a, um, collegiate draft for the PLL, which will be, um, I believe it was March and April is when March will be the... New player draft. April will be the collegiate draft. Uh, don't one hundred percent quote me on that. I don't have the exact dates up as of yet, um, but do have that um, to look forward to in terms of PLL. In terms of MLL, it's a bit different. <laughs> um, <clears throat> the league announced two, and I I waited. To kind of drop this on the podcast, um, the league has announced two new teams: uh, the Philadelphia Barrage, 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 Philadelphia Barrage. Okay, I I don't know why I have a I have a very difficult time with saying that. I've been saying Barrage for the past I don't know how long. <laughs> um, 
Barrage. Philadelphia Barrage. Okay. Um, they announced this, so the, this is technically the Atlanta Blaze are becoming, I don't know why they're announcing it, like we're seizing the operations of one team and pulling and moving players' contracts to another, to this new team, instead of just saying we're moving the team. Um, I mean, I guess because of the new business model and structure and everything, it technically that technically it, it is what they're doing, but it just seems kind of with the announcing it like that. Um, so the Philadelphia Barrage, Philadelphia Barrage, and the Connecticut Hammerheads. The two newest MLL franchises. Um, personally, I like the Hammerheads logo a lot better. Um, I can say the name a lot <laughs> easier. Um, so the Hammerheads are technically what the Dallas Rattlers were. Um, and the... Barrage are technically what the Atlanta Blaze were. Now, um, we know where the Hammerheads are going to play. They're going to play at Fairfield University, Lafferty Field. We don't know where the Barrage are going to play yet. Um, that is to be determined. Uh, but we know the head coaches as well. Uh, Bill Warder is staying on as the head coach, or staying on as a head coach in the MLL will be coaching the Hammerheads. He coached the Rattlers for the past two seasons. And the Barrage will be coached by Stephen Ford. Or Spencer Ford. I don't know why I said Stephen. Spencer Ford, who was the general manager of the Atlanta Boys. It also served uh, in an offensive coordinator role as well. Uh, coached with the Bayhawks a few years back also. So, as coaching experience there, um, a lot of guys seem to like him. Um, I think he's in a... I think probably, in terms of general management type, type stuff, I think he's probably done the best of anybody over the past year of getting young talent in there. Um, I mean, because, look, the PLL has been taking players. We know that, how many players left MLL for PLL. Um, you know, both leagues need to be competitive, I think. You know, I want both leagues to be competitive. I don't, you know. Um, PLL is probably more accessible to watch in terms of it's all in one place. Um, MLL is a little bit different, whether it's multiple places. Um PLL probably puts out more content that's, like, surrounded by what's going on now in the game, where the MLL's been kind of doing this throwback thing for the past few months um, that I still don't really understand, but um, I'm I'm good with some throwback stuff um, here and there, uh, some historical stuff. I'm all for it, but, um, you know, MLL... Uh, Got two new teams. So we'll see what they do. Uh, Spencer Ford, I mentioned. Think, like, and if you're looking at what team's going to do better, 
and you won. I don't think you can look at that yet. I've seen some someone ask me that. Um, I can't answer that yes that yet because I don't know what the teams are going to look like technically. Um, and I say that because while the MLL's releases may say players under contract with the Blaze and Rattlers will have the will have their um, lights moved to these new teams. Blaze going to the Barrage and Rattlers going to the Hammerheads. That's not a thousand percent accurate. It is accurate that that's what the initial roster is going to be made up of. Um, obviously, you have the collegiate draft. I mean, we all know that. That's that's not a secret. But there is going to be an MLL supplemental draft next month. That has not been announced yet. Um, the league has announced that there will be a supplemental draft. They did so back in October. Um, they didn't announce. They said in the spring. They didn't announce when. Um, it will be next month from what I hear. Uh, two weeks from now, and so technically, um, from what I've gathered, every team has submitted a 26-man roster, protected roster. I've also been told that not every player has been notified if they've been protected or unprotected. So, that's uh, that's something we're doing again. Um, that's something. There's also um, a significant number of players that will be moving to the PLL. Mentioned they have a new players draft. I've heard 30-plus MLL guys will enter that. Um, I don't want to name drop anybody on here, so I'm, I'm not going to do that, but... I do have a, a short list of names. I'm not going to name drop anybody on here, uh, but we have a short list of names of guys um, that I do know have entered that draft um, or will when the contract is up. Most guys' contracts were in the MLL were up, I believe, in February. Uh, February, like first, second, third, somewhere in that time frame. Um, for a, a lot of guys. So it's... Just say it might get interesting. Just It just might get interesting this spring. Um, again, in the pro field game. And um, you know, with the, 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 the MLL having this um, supplemental draft... They've had these in the past. They've always had these. I never really understood why they have it. Um, kind of stupid. Just have a real free agency and get it over with. Um, honestly, it's kind of stupid, to be honest. Um, always thought that. Like, and especially when they were just... When you they because they have player movement technically, but you know whatever. <laughs> um, 
So we'll see where who who gets picked and who actually goes who who does what. Um, <clears throat> it's kind of hard to tell who's in who's out right now. Um, it's 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 gonna be a um, gonna be interesting. Gonna be interesting to say the least. Now. The you know the this whole uh, pro field war or battle whatever you heck you want to call it um, <clears throat> you know I've had some people ask me you know how long you think this is gonna go on and I'll, I'll just give my thoughts on that here I mean I I don't know. Uh, two, three years? I don't know. Um, I definitely don't think it'll last past five. I said that last year. I'll say it again. So I think definitely four years now, probably, is what we're looking for. Three to four years. I definitely don't see it lasting um, that long. It's 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 just not it's not feasible um, financially. It's not feasible in terms of talent. Um, we need a thirty-team league. Combine these two te- these two leagues right now. How many you got yet? What seven in each? I believe six, seven, in- yes, yeah, seven in the PLL, six in the MLL. That's thirteen teams. Add a add fifteen. I'm good with it. Add sixteen. I'm good with it. Seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty. Go with it. And everyone's like, do we have the talent? Do we have the talent? Nah, dummy. Yes, we have the talent. The talent is out there, bro. You got dudes that could be making money playing lacrosse sitting behind a desk, bro. That's pitiful. Absolutely pitiful. Absolutely pitiful. Absolutely pitiful. Now, yeah, is every dude going to make full-time playing pro lacrosse? No, not right now. Not right now. Not right now. Top end guys, yeah, they can do that. Bottom end guys, no. No. But would they like to be playing? Yeah. So let's give those guys an opportunity. I I I think that's good about this. We're kind of getting to see... This is the one thing I'll say. One thing that's good about both leagues is we're kind of getting to see what's out there. We're kind of getting to see how much talent is out there, how many teams could support in one league. But we got to get a guy that's not a lacrosse guy at the helm. You know, I I like what the PLL has done going in with a different model kind of thing and getting some people in there involved that aren't necessarily lacrosse people to help lead the way in terms of marketing and and, and and all of that, uh, I think Nick Sakavich has done. In my mind, the two commissioners have done probably the most, the best jobs in the past five, six years. Um, well, has it been six years for Sakavich or five years? No, past three, four years. Um, Nick Sakavich in the NLL and Adam Silver in the NBA, I think are two of the best commissioners in, in pro sports right now and in, in what they've done. Obviously, it's a different level, but uh, definitely seen growth in both of this. We 
gotta get it, gotta get get going on the right track here soon. Finally moving upwards to make pro field lacrosse a reality. I think the MLL's been doing that. I think the PLL's kind of um, maybe solidified it a bit more with this TV deal and all this, all the things they've been doing. Uh, so we'll see where it takes it. We'll, we'll see what what uh, what transpires over the next couple months, over the next couple of years. But it's going to be interesting and uh, first really interesting nugget um, in terms of pro player movement is going to be next month with the entry draft for the ML for the PLL and the uh, supplemental draft with the MLL. I uh, that is all for today's episode. Again, thank you all for listening. As always, you can uh, hit us up on social media at Lacrosse Bucket, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You can shoot us. Uh, I'm starting to open things up to mailbag uh, for these podcasts. So shoot us an email, Bucket at gmail.com DM us on any of the social media accounts that we uh, that I mentioned uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Lacrosse Bucket on all of them the website is lacrossebucket.com where it's always lacrosse season